When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun, a weekly podcast with stories about the weather. And this is episode six of our special series on how the weather relates to the fight against COVID-19 with emphasis on the United States, but a look to the world as well. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Dean DeVore, and in the world of weather this past week, tremendous differences in temperatures were seen with heat soaring to record proportions in the southwest part of the United States, while colder, less comfortable air kept making dives down into the Great Lakes and Northeast, causing stormy weather. Storminess brewed on the political landscape as well, as different areas of the country continue to have vastly different experiences with the coronavirus and even the hot spots, there were signs that the curve was flattening. States have begun the process of loosening restrictions and easing controls on which businesses can be open and how many people they can serve. Some are even opening back up parks and golf courses and other recreational venues with the responsibility of social distancing still at the forefront of everyone's messaging. But there have been encouraging developments this week on the medical front, including tangible evidence that one drug at least may be shortening the disease and many who've taken it. Perhaps the optimism of this week for many could be seen as as we tape this late Thursday afternoon, the United States Navy ship Mercy, which had been standing by in New York Harbor since the beginning of the month, was leaving on the last day of April. Speaking of the Big Apple, we start this week's conversation with New York City-based houseplant expert Mariah Green on how even if you don't have space to plant a garden, you can green up and improve your indoor space with houseplants. In our weekly visit with Dr. Eric Fisher, well, you know the saying, all work and no play. Well, while the concept of play can be looked upon negatively at times, Dr. E says, especially in these times of uncertainty and stress, There are six benefits of playing sports and games, both mental and physical, to help us cope and deal with life's bigger problems. And as we roll into the month of May, the building nicer weather that's pushing people to go outside, well, that weather across the country is certainly becoming varied and changeable even more now, and there are more extremes likely this coming week. We'll talk to fellow meteorologist Dave Dombeck about what to expect this weekend and the coming week as we try to get some fresh air or plant some flowers or vegetables in the gardens outside. All of that and more coming up on Everything Under the Sun. And now we head to New York City and talk to indoor plant expert Mariah Green. And Mariah, it's good to talk to you on the podcast today. First of all, you know, those of us, like I'm a weather guy, so if my last name was Storm, it would be awesome. But Mariah Green, I mean, that's amazing. I wish I would have came to the conclusion that this was my calling the day that I was born, but I'm a little late to the party, but I got it now. (laughs) Mariah, I wanted to talk to you because I I enjoyed the article that we've had on AccuWeather.com and it's been updated a few times about 
really kind of trying to develop that green space. Uh, you're based in New York City, Bedside area of Brooklyn, and, and we're looking at uh, that uh, cityscape every day, and it's hard to find green space. And you've been able to try to help people get green space, even in the most cluttered urban area that you can imagine. Yes, that was the goal from the start. Um, and before I started doing this, I used to teach third and fifth grade. And so I've taken a little bit of my teaching knowledge and brought it into everyday, hopefully, plant parents or soon-to-be plant parents, uh, just to try and like add some greenery to those spaces. It's funny because I'm an outdoor gardening guy. I'm fortunate to live in a more rural area, and I have some plantings right around my house, and so I've got some beautiful tulips coming up right now, and was sweating out. The hydrangea was a little bit sizzled with some uh, early freeze or late freeze that we had. So you know, I kind of know that game. I'm very wary about indoor plants because to me, you know, you got to take what you get with the, what nature gives you. Sometimes you give the plants in the house the wrong doses of nature with too much heat, too much humidity, not enough humidity, all those kinds of things. Sometimes I think it's harder inside than outside. Is that true in your mind? And I mean, I'm obviously forced to see it the opposite way, but I will say that a lot of my work has been to sort of create a palatable way of explaining it to other people. And I've sort of created this divine I guess you could call it an equation. Um, And you're looking at pieces such as how much light a plant is getting, how often you're watering it, and the location in your home. And so those three parts of the equation are what make your houseplant journey sort of good or bad to make it really simple. So, and, and I think one of the things that you preach is starting simple. You know, how many times do we hear that keep it simple, stupid, right? Uh, So maybe just start with one. Is that one of your advice? And what's an easy one or to start with? What are some varieties that would be easy for me to start and have success with indoors? Yeah, totally start with one. I found that in this Instagram day and age that if you don't have 50 plants and you're not taking a picture next to it, you're not a plant parent. That couldn't be farther from the truth. Start with one, get that one under control, and then you can expand. And my favorite starter plant is called the ZZ plant. It's the letter Z two times. That one is, I swear it can survive through anything. You can put that in a basement with very limited light and just water it once a month. And that thing will, it'll just survive through absolutely any condition. We're talking with Mariah Green. Green, uh, indoor plant expert uh, kind of design. And, and that's something that you do, right? So you take indoor plants and folks uh, that have uh, indoor space, and then you try to design like what you said in accordance with the amount of light. And uh, But is also it about certain benefits? Do certain plants give you benefits more than others? Is that something in terms of different health benefits? Sure. So NASA did a study a couple of years ago about the actual, the scientific benefits of having uh, either one plant or five plants or 10 plants. And what they found that was if you have at least uh, five to 10 plants, if you were to just go all in and put a ton of plants in your space, it would really help with the air quality and getting rid of toxins in the air. But for those of us with one or two plants, um, it can actually be really beneficial for mental health, um, whether it's building a relationship with that plant and having something there for instant gratification and waking up and seeing a new leaf every day. And then the other part of that is a lot of my clients that I've worked with in the past have had a plant that used to be their mother's or father's or someone that was really meaningful to them uh, in their family. And so having that plant is really just a nice reminder to always have. When you're looking at that then and when you're looking to design for someone, then you got to get their ideas about what they like to look at, the visual aspect of it, but then also knowing what kind of plant parents they can be. I 
on my animal side, I can be a cat parent because of my lifestyle, but I do travel a bit. So a, a cat allows me to travel and not worry as much. Can't necessarily own a dog. Same thing with plants. You have to kind of match the plants to their lifestyle. Right. That's a really good way to put it, being a cat and dog person. And so I offer consultations. That was one of the first things that I implemented when I started my business. And a consultation is really, it's a lot more than talking about, oh, do you like the look of this plant? But it's more so me asking really basic, simple questions of what's your day-to-day like? Um, Are you working? Do you have roommates? Because little things can happen, such as spaces in Brooklyn, where you have three or four roommates and everyone wants to give that same plant some love every week and the plant ends up being overwatered. And so it's checking in with your space, getting to know who you are as a potential plant parent. That way we can set you up for good. With houseplants, what are some essential things that you get from them other than just the the health? Is there, are there other things? I think to me, and I talked to my tulips, <laughs> I, mean, I was explaining to them that they were going to have to deal with some snow just a couple of weeks ago and they got through that. Uh, I know that the old myth and that the, the kind of bit on a sitcom of talking to a houseplant, but it really does kind of work, right? It totally works. There, there was this uh, clip going around on Twitter for a while of having this one plant in a room with rock music and another one with some jazz and the one with jazz grew 10 times fuller. I don't know how true that is, but it was it sold me. So to this point, every day I wake up, I talk to my plants and sort of that hippy dippy moment. But I also feel like it's really nice to have something that you can sort of build a connection with in your home and see that growth. The good thing about, I think, houseplants is there are a lot of folks like you out there that have great knowledge. And so share your information about how folks can get in touch with you and then maybe some other places if they can't talk to you where you would look if you were going to get some good advice for houseplants. Absolutely. You can reach out to me on my website, uh, yourgreenpeace.com. And I'm also on Instagram at green.peace. And you can honestly do exactly what I did when I first started out. So when I first got my apartment in New York and I purchased 50 plants for my brand new space and half of them died, I realized, oh my God, I either did this wrong, I got a crappy plant, or I'm just, I don't have a green thumb. So I went back and talked to nursery owners and plant shop owners. And about two years later, I'm filled, I'm just walking Google of plants. And so you end up with all this information about how to pick the right ones for your space. So just talking with people that own these nurseries and shops, it's the best thing you can do. And just like any with any professional, you can vibe with certain people and you get great relationships and you and you figure out who you can trust in that regard. Absolutely. I know that I'm not a ferns person. Ferns are just not, will never click, will never have a relationship. And I'm okay with that. Maybe I'm the problem, but ferns just aren't for me. <laughs> I love watching ferns grow wildly and just the way the time lapse they unfurl. It really almost looks animalistic or human. It almost looks like an alien coming out when a fern unravels and is born in the wild. It's beautiful. I've gotten it to work one time and it was in the corner of my shower and then it never happened again. So I think I had that one positive relationship and the rest never did me the same. So that's where we left off. (laughs) Mariah Green, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for... uh, giving us some hope that even those of us who don't think we can be good inside gardening can be. Thanks, Mariah. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks again, Mariah. And reminder that her website to get some information is yourgreenpeace.com. Now that's spelled a little bit differently than you might think. It's your, Y-O-U-R, uh, her last name, which is G-R-E-E-N-E, and then peace, like piece of pie, P-I-E-C-E, Your Green Peace. 
Coming up next, Dr. Eric Fisher on the concept of play and how they can be a help in these uncertain times. That's next on Everything Under the Sun. Listen to Weather Insider every weekday for a discussion on trending weather news with me, Bernie Reno, and Evan Myers. You'll get detailed insight into major weather events and learn the why behind the weather, gaining knowledge on terms like what's a nor'easter. Just subscribe to Weather Insider on your favorite podcast platforms today. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun. I'm Dean DeVore. Now time for our weekly visit with Dr. E. Dr. E, welcome back to the program. And, um, you know, we just wanted to pick up uh, in our earlier segment, we were talking to plant expert uh, Mariah Green about the benefits of uh, greening up your interior space and how that can help you get through tough times like we're dealing with right now. And I think that's something that you certainly can relate to as well in terms of getting outside, whether you can make uh, your inside greener with uh, some plants and things like that or get it working outside. That's a very important aspect going on right now. Absolutely. And, you know, the benefits of, of plants in terms of the oxygen they can provide to help clean up our environment, they can act as filters and things. And, you know, again, I'm the, the expert in that, but those are the things I know because I've always enjoyed plants and nature and landscaping. And I think it's a great discussion to have in terms of people really connecting and reconnecting with nature in whatever ways they can, given their living environments. Yeah, I'm fortunate to have enough space outside and doing some plantings. I've been very proud of the way the tulips have been coming up here in the last uh, couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, it gives us something else to almost fret over. I'm more, you know, been worried about some cold snaps of late, you know, and how that would affect some of the vegetation. Am I able to plant stuff as early as I'd like to? So those are the kinds of distractions that we need as individuals and our families in this tough living environment now with the social distancing continuing. Right. And, you know, I think, again, everything we have to find balance to. And as we've talked about in terms of, of, as you use the word worry, we have to, we're learning the things we can and can't control. And we definitely can't control the weather. We can manage the outcomes, you know, and, and be aware of those pieces along the way. So um, these are things as, as we're looking at the emotions we're feeling ask ourselves, what can we do about those situations? Now, in regard to to nature, you know, in this discussion, I think it opens up a a quick intro to to something that's called nature deficit disorder, that they're doing more research in finding. It's kind of a, it's it's an interesting theory that is kind of, as we talk about attention deficit disorder, but that kids and adults and humans aren't getting the time they really need outdoors and connected with nature. Almost like they can't get the time of realness. Everything seems artificial right now because you're stuck inside and you have to watch videos to appreciate stuff and those kinds of things. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. And and also that, you know, overall, even without times of quarantine, we're really not connecting enough with, with being outside, with having our feet on the ground, with even kids being able to climb trees or get to know plants nature, under even understanding weather patterns and how to sense. I remember when I was a kid, 
one day it's in my it's ingrained in my head as a cold front was moving through it was 80 degrees and all of a sudden the wind came and i could still feel that wind how it was warm and then it almost like swirled a swirl of cool came over me the dark clouds came in you know that was a connection to nature a connection to the experience that i still hold to this day and i really wonder if kids and adults as trapped inside as we are are really experiencing those things in this I've, time. Uh, I've been getting it with a connection. Um, my father was into feeding birds uh, around the house. And I started picking that up about a year ago, got really serious with it, tried to attract all the cool different kinds of songbirds that he used to with different feeds and stuff. And I've really found in the last six, seven weeks being at home, it's appreciative. I've named a couple of the cardinal couples that I know are coming to the, the feeder and those kinds of things. So just that kind of tie in, you know, I'm feeling that I'm feeling more connection with the nature, looking up at the stars and the sky at night to figure out where we are in the season and that stuff. I think of anything that's come out of all of this, this is some good benefits stuff. And that that's kind of the idea of, of seize the moment and find the mindfulness in the moment, the connection in the moment. And that's where, you know, I know I've talked about a couple cones and I have one also for the end of the show, but I, I did a segment on mindfulness for the Daily Dose of Sunshine that'll be coming out next week. And I talked about a cone also that says the wave and the sea are one. And sometimes we can feel like the wave crashing upon the shores of, you know, of the beach and feel like we're at the mercy of the water and the ocean. And other times we can recognize the wave is still part of the water. It's still part of the sea and the oneness of the sea. So to continue to find our connection to all that's around us, not the chaos, but the peace and the wonder and the fascination and to the great segue here to the play and the enjoyment of the world that we live in. We're talking with Dr. Eric Fisher, Dr. E. You can find him on Twitter at DCTRE at DCTRE, shorthand for Dr. E. And yeah, we're talking about daily doses of sunshine. It's showing up on our AccuWeather network. Uh, some little uh, thoughts about taking weather related and thought process. And let's talk about this idea of the genius of play. Uh, I think I've been tapping into that, uh, getting a little competitive with my partner in terms of playing disc golf. And then that, <laughs> that aspect of the dealing with the play and the, and the good and the bad from that, I think has helped kind of give us something to look forward to. Even in general, again, removing ourselves from this quarantine, we look at so many movies that we see that come out at Christmas time and, and, and even other time crossover movies, 13 going on 30 and trading the, the one where the mother of freaky Friday, we see all these times where adults have lost their ability to play, they've lost their creativity, their fascination with all of these things in life that as kids help make us who we are, help us to believe. And the concept of play is so critical, not only to our children's development, but also to our continuing development and evolution. So in that, be able to make it make sure that you find time to play, climb trees if you have trees where you're at even, you know, climb a treehouse, swing in a swing, just connect, but also regular games, games that you can play with others on the internet if you're stuck inside, you know, to collaborate with others and have that enjoyment of play. As you look at this, there's kind of six areas of benefit from play, right? Physical, emotional, social, cognitive, creative, communication. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about each one of those? 
Sure. I am a uh, expert for the Genius of Play, which is an initiative by the Toy Association. And they created this nonprofit initiative to help parents and families, adults, everyone to understand the value and importance of play. Many of these are connected to, uh, to, to kids. And I've spoken at CES on the power of play and interactive gaming and, and uh, subjects such as that. I've spoken at the uh, New York Children's Museum on the U.S. state of play. And we really, in that, we're talking about what grade would we give our country in terms of the level of importance of play and the level of learning, this power of learning through play. And what we're realizing is, is really that, you know, we're definitely lacking and have to be able to integrate more of these into education because kids learn so much before their school age years about their physical movement and their space in the world their emotional development through their interactions and the feelings they may have through winning and losing games. They're learning how to play together with kids through social interaction and learning about relationships through that, as well as communication the same way. And cognitively, think of the cognitive skills that we learn through games like checkers, or even as we get older, chess, or some of these mathematical games that we played after we were of, and finally the creative aspects of making puppets, playing with dolls, using all the interactive stuff, creating art. These are all each critical content areas and critical collaborative areas that we can work with our kids and even work with ourselves on in terms of expanding our own connection to the world, connection to play, and connection to others. Is there some concern about total immersion into artificial intelligence play or virtual reality play versus the social interactive play of being out at a playground or uh, being in a park with people? Is is there a concern in that regard that you do too much of uh, the one thing and don't get out into that other social interaction in person? Well, you know, this, this was actually really large part of the discussion in the the consumer electronics show um, panel that I did. And when we're looking at the idea of augmented reality and reality uh, technologies that are coming out, we're looking at the ability for kids to really start to experience things they may or may not be able to experience in their world, while also, yes, we want to find balance. And we want to have that balance in what we're doing physically and what we're doing interactionally with people face-to-face. We also see a generation, and now we're finding more of that generation, even in our age with the, uh, the restrictions we have, and we're having to learn to relate and to connect to people virtually and technolo- technologically versus face-to-face. So in all this, what we prescribe through the Genius of Play is really finding a balance and seeking that balance and knowing that overdue in any one area may not be good for any of us, just like when, whether we're looking at our diet as well, or even our exposure to, uh, to certain things. Maybe if we're looking at uh, being in nature, we could be, be too out of balance on that in terms of our academic pursuits or sports versus music, you know, areas like that. Balance certainly is key. If folks would like more information about those uh, thoughts, uh, the genius of play.org is the website, thegeniusofplay.org. As we uh, come to the end of our talk here this week, uh, Dr. Fisher, you left us with a, an amazing Zen cone last week. Uh, 
We stand in our own shadow and wonder why it's dark. All of us here spent a lot of time thinking about that. So, um, <laughs> well, today's today's to ponder is the fearless hero is a loving child. The fearless hero is a loving child. And I believe as we look at this whole concept of play, the concept of wonder, the concept of when kids come to this world, they aren't born understanding race, socioeconomic status, religion, finances, how much money they have or don't have. They don't understand those things. And they love people coming into this world unconditionally. We have to realize how we've socialized ourselves potentially into our blindness and our exclusiveness not our inclusiveness. And as we again see this idea of bringing back the concepts of openness, of belief, of creativity, of play into our lives every day, we can see that play can bridge almost any gap between any of us and all of us, especially in this time of social distancing. Dr. Eric Fisher, another amazing visit. Look forward to our next visit with you. I'll look forward to playing with you guys in your sandbox next week. Thanks again to Dr. Eric Fisher. The website we were talking about was thegeniusofplay.com. And a reminder that Dr. E has two great books, The Art of Empowered Parenting, The Manual You Wish Your Kids Came With, and The Art of Managing Everyday Conflict, Understanding Emotions and Power Struggles. For some, it's been a struggle to keep cool. For others, they want to know when the struggle to stay warm will end. Coming up, a look at the weekend weather stories and a preview of coming attractions from AccuWeather. This is everything under the the sun. Make AccuWeather Daily a part of your daily routine. Enable the flash briefing and say, Alexa, what's my flash briefing? To access this content on Google Assistant, all you have to say is, hey Google, talk to AccuWeather Daily. You'll get the top trending weather story of the day, every day. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun as we take a look at what was a volatile week last week, again weather-wise, and why that volatility may not go away. I'm pleased to bring in an expert senior meteorologist and great guy, Dave Dombeck. All right, Dave, uh, look, um, I know there is a, a short amount of patience in the Northeast with the weather over the last couple of weeks. That's uh, one area that you and I tend to look at more closely. Certainly the last week or so, the folks in the southwestern part of the country are wondering why they went to summer so quickly because it's just been heating up, triple-digit heat and just uh, amazing numbers. Volatility in the middle. Uh, it's been a wild few weeks in this past week, and there looks like there's more volatility to come this week. Let's start where in the Northeast we've been wanting some spring. Are we finally going to get some, in your opinion, here in the next couple of weeks? I mean, I think eventually, Dean, you know, I always say winter runs out of gas and, you know, summer's going to come. If you look at the, the spring months of March, April, and May, March, you could pretty much, you know, guarantee, although this year it's been flipped, like you said, March and April, but generally the deeper into spring you go, the nicer days are going to start winning out over the lousy days. But it just seems like over the next week to 10 days at least, the pattern is going to continue to be pretty much from the upper Midwest to the Northeast, uh, a below normal temperature pattern. That doesn't mean you can't get a bonus day now and then it gets warm and you probably will. But overall, it's going to tend to average on the lower side of normal temperature wise, moving target this time of year because the normals are coming up. All right, Dave. So then while we're still going to have some trouble warming up to levels we'd like for May, maybe for the next week or so in the northern tier, what about the southwest? It's been heating up so much. Does it look like that uh, ridge breaks down a little bit or do they keep the heat here over the next week or two? It does look like at times it's going to try to break down. Uh, but, you know, climatologically, this is a time of year as you get into May 
when the heat is really building in the Southwest. So that's generally, that's really not unusual. Uh, but at times, I think we'll get beat down the next couple of weeks. Probably be a, a little bit cooler at times. Yeah, it's just hard to maintain that kind of unseasonably hot temperatures. Now, Dave, as I look at this, you know, like you and I like to get out in our gardens. We were both lamenting a week or so ago here where we're in zone six here in central Pennsylvania. Some things are out a lot earlier, and this is not just central Pennsylvania. I think this is region-wide because most of the eastern part of the country had such a benign winter that things were ahead of schedule. You know, some of these cold incursions have uh, hurt a little bit some of the plants uh, that were out early in parts of the Northeast, but it's going to be that time in May, like here in Pennsylvania, I want to start putting stuff in the ground. Um, is there places that you would be worried as a meteorologist and, uh, and a plant guy right now to putting stuff in the ground? Other than I still think New England still got a couple of weeks, but in this temperate zone where we are, I mean, May's usually the time I start getting some stuff in. Is that uh, any concern here over some real cold snaps to keep us from planting some stuff? Yeah, I mean, I think it really depends on what you're looking at. Certainly, you get the seeds in the ground. I was thinking if once it dries out, I mean, that's I think that's the big drawback. I can't get in my garden now because it's probably like a swamp with all the rain we've had. Uh, right. The ground is so wet, it, you have to dry it out some. But getting things like kale and lettuce and spinach and those kind of crops, that's fine. You get that in the ground, no problem or some of the tougher crops, I, you know, any place that is prone, typically prone to getting frost, uh, at least through the middle of May, I would not be in any hurry to get any of those plants in before Mother's Day and probably even, you know, a week or so later than that. And of course, in the coldest locations like your Bradford and, you know, my shed <laughs> down, down in the backyard <laughs> there, any places, you're almost looking at Memorial Day before you could be safe, you know, that area up into New York State, New England. Let's uh, quickly explain that. Dave lives out really in the uh, outer regions here around State College into a spot that is one of the coldest. And he's got a, a little shed out in the back where he has a thermometer. And that seems to be one of the coldest readings we ever get in this county. So we always ask what the temperature is at the shed <laughs> in the office. All right. One other quick question. Now, uh, you know, we talked about temperature and maybe possibility of freezing uh, and, and you bring up a good point. I think there are going to be, don't you agree, some real heavy rainfall events again because of this clash of that cold air trying to push down. It's going to spin up some of these brief, intense rainfall events. And looks like those areas from the Great Lakes and down into the mid-Atlantic could see those here over the next week or so. Absolutely. That's what you need to get big storms to, to get active weather. You need a boundary. You need uh, you need cold air or chilly air in one place and you need warm air in another place and, and a boundary to force the two air masses together in between. And that battle zone will be, you know, oscillating north and south some, but that is going to be an active zone with heavy rain at times. And of course, we're getting deeper into spring. And so we're going to get more and more bouts of severe weather. We've already had some and more to come with the severe thunderstorms and even potential for tornadoes down the pike. Yeah, and I think uh, that's even more so in the Northeast here over the next couple of weeks. If we're going to continue to bring down some colder than normal weather into wet, warm air that wants to warm up to May levels quickly, that I think in the Northeast, we're going to see like spin up like little hailstorms and stuff like that here over the next couple of weeks, possibly too. So that's going to be something to watch. Uh, my friend, it's always good to visit with you. Uh, thank you so much. Dave appears on many of our other podcasts. You like this podcast thing, don't you, Dombek? I'm doing more and more all the time. Yeah. I'm just looking forward to the day when we can actually be sitting next to each other. That will be a good day, my friend. Dave, thank <laughs> you so much.
Dave Dombeck, uh, Senior Meteorologist with AccuWeather. I also want to thank uh, indoor plant expert Mariah Green and Dr. Eric Fisher. You can find out when your chances to get outside and get some fresh air or when you might be able to put those plants in the ground. You can get the complete AccuWeather forecast on AccuWeather.com and your AccuWeather.com apps or with one of our great media partners. And you can always find out the latest in the fight against COVID-19 and the weather and how it all relates including a daily snapshot of COVID-19 cases at our website, accuweather.com slash coronavirus. As always, major thanks to executive producers Ken Prell and Andrew Robb, proudly representing all the dedicated AccuWeather team members working so hard around the world. I'm meteorologist Dean DeVore. Until next time, be safe and well. <laughs>